seat. Three weeks ago, as we uh, finished our, our list of 20 things that every Christian or, or every person should know about the Holy Spirit, I, I said that there was one missing, and it was an important one. And tonight, we're, we're going to look at it on its, its own. I'm, I'm not sure if you were there that night, whether you have any suggestions as to what the missing one might be, or you've been trying to work it out. But before I reveal the missing one, here are the 20 that we have looked at so far as a reminder or for anyone who is new to this. I know the, the text on the screen is very small, so let me just read down the list of 20 things that we should all know about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a distinct person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit was involved in creation. The Holy Spirit was active and present in certain people's lives in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. He's our teacher. He can be grieved. He can be quenched. He is the one who convicts. The Holy Spirit directs people to Jesus. He makes Jesus real. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. He is our guide. He is our reminder. He knows the future. The Holy Spirit can be blasphemed. The Holy Spirit prays for us. He indwells and fills us. He provides gifts and he produces fruit in our lives. If you have a Bible or you'd like to turn to one of the Pew Bibles uh, to Luke 24, it's page 1062. And at the same time, if you can also turn to Acts chapter 1, which is page 1092, we're going to kind of jump between these two passages this evening. In, in Luke 24, and if you look down at verse 49, so right to the end of that chapter, Jesus is just about to leave his disciples. He's about to ascend to his father. And before he goes, he says this, it's verse 49, it's also on the screen. I am going to send you what my father has promised. And that was the Holy Spirit. And then he says, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And then over to Acts 1, also written by Luke. And in Acts 1, we, we read about a mealtime conversation that Jesus has with his disciples during that 40-day period after his resurrection and before his ascension. And this is what Jesus said to his disciples around that table, reading from verse two, I think it is, do, or from verse four, sorry. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered round him and they asked him, Lord, are you going at this time to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In Luke 24, Jesus says, you will be clothed with power. 
In Acts chapter one, around the same time, Jesus says, you will receive power. And so the missing thing, the 21st truth about the Holy Spirit that I want us to think about this evening is that he empowers. One writer has described the Holy Spirit as God's empowering presence. And he he wrote in his book of the same title, the living God is a God of power. And by the Spirit, the power of the living God is present with us, and the Spirit of the living God is present for us. And so you cannot, and we could not leave this series without considering the power of the Holy Spirit, the power that he provides, the power that he creates, the power that he displays in and through ordinary Christians like many of us here this evening. And the specific power that I want to home in on that, it, that is essential, that is available, is the power to witness. Because I believe that that is one of the key reasons why Jesus gave us his Holy Spirit. The power to be his witnesses in our everyday and everywhere lives. If you go back to Luke 24, if you still have it open there, look at the verse 48, the one before I read, where Jesus tells his disciples, you are witnesses of these things. If you have a New Living Translation, you are witnesses of all these things. And all these things that he was referring to were the good news of Jesus as told in Scripture and the message of forgiveness. That's what Jesus had been talking to his disciples about. And he says, listen, you are my witnesses to all of these things. But Jesus knew that in their own strength and by themselves, it was going to be virtually impossible for these disciples to witness to anything, never mind all these things. But Jesus also knew they weren't expected to do it in their own strength. That was never the Father's plan, the Father's intention. And so in Luke 24, verse 49, Jesus immediately reminds these ordinary disciples, after he has said to them, you are going to be my witnesses of these things, he says, listen, you're going to be empowered to do this. Wait, stay where you are, for you're going to be clothed with power, from on high. You're going to be covered in it from head to toe whenever the Holy Spirit arrives. He is going to enable. He is going to equip you to witness. And then in Acts 1, Jesus reaffirms that promise. He restates the fact you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you or when you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, to quote Jesus. Then, you will be empowered to be my witnesses. But in order to see how this kind of played out originally and became a reality as opposed to just an empty promise and how it became effective in empowering the first disciples, we need to track what happened next. So back to Acts chapter two, this time page 1093. And we're going to read some of the verses here as we, as we learn about, as we discover about the Holy Spirit's coming and clothing and empowering all of his disciples. So there's 120 believers or such crammed into a room in Jerusalem and they're waiting. Jesus had told them back in Luke 24 to wait. And here they are crammed into a room and they're waiting and they're praying whenever this happens. Look at verse two. Suddenly, A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And so without warning, everyone hears this recognizable sound. They see a strange sight and they discover a multilingual speaking ability. But the key issue is this. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Father's promise has been fulfilled here at this moment, at this time. And look at the immediate effect and aftermath down to verse 5. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. You see, as the disciples opened their mouths and started speaking in the heart language of the international crowd that had gathered at Jerusalem. This was something unnatural. This was something supernatural. But again, what is critical to our understanding here is the final phrase of verse 4. It was as the Spirit enabled them. They could only do this because they were being empowered by the Spirit to do it. So this power that Jesus had promised had now been received and was flowing through their veins. Yes, they heard what sounded like a violent wind. They saw what seemed, it says, like tongues of fire. They could have been mistaken. But when they opened their mouths, there was no question, this is real. This has to be the Holy Spirit because this is powerful in every sense of the word. And so people sat up and people took notice. This ability to speak in these other tongues took everyone by surprise, which is apparent from the first two words of verse 7. Look at this. Utterly amazed, it says. The crowd were astonished. They're bewildered. But look at verse, let's read verses 7 and 8. Because there is a certain and not entirely complimentary reason for their amazement. Utterly amazed, verse 7, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears our own native language? It wasn't just that, that anybody could do this. What caused such a stir and a kind of deep intake of breath was the specific people in question who were doing this. Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Galileans, it would seem, were, were considered a bit of an uncultured bunch, not renowned for learning or grasp of their own language, never mind anyone else's. So the question asked in verse 8 appears to be a fair one. How is it? How is it that this group of people can be heard in our own native language? But you see, when the Holy Spirit comes, and when the Holy Spirit fills a life, then that person is empowered to do incredible things, irrespective of their background, their upbringing, their social status, their intellectual understanding, or the prejudiced opinions of others. It's Galileans who are multilingual. And this is what causes such a stir in Jerusalem that day. And in verses 9 and 10, we then have a list of the people groups who are impacted by this phenomena. 
Now, whether the disciples could speak all of the languages or whether certain disciples could only speak certain languages is unclear, but it doesn't really matter. But what is crucial to observe and note is the content of what they're saying. Look at verse 11. This is what the crowd say. It's not that we just hear them speaking our lingo. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. The literal translation of verse 11 is that they were speaking the greatness of God. And one of the key signs of a spirit-filled, a spirit-empowered life, a spirit-filled, a spirit-empowered church is a tangible desire and joy in declaring the wonders of God. Empowered Christians express the greatness of God. They affirm what he has done. They celebrate his character and they praise him verbally. They do it in prayer. They do it when they speak with and to others. And they do it when they gather together like this. And the crowd in Jerusalem that day listened to believers proclaiming the greatness of God in their own heart language. And that provoked a reaction. In fact, it provoked a variety of reactions. And those reactions that were provoked that day, we still encounter them this day. Verse 12 says they were amazed and they were perplexed. And there's no doubt that most of us have come across those responses because some people are taken by the wonders of God whenever we are empowered and whenever we step out and we speak the greatness of God. There are those who are taken by it. But there are others who are left scratching their heads. They're unsure, they're puzzled, they're confused. They do not get it. They do not understand it. And therefore, a question like the one we find at the end of verse 12, it's a familiar question. The question that people ask is, what does this mean? And so then Peter stands up. As one who has now been empowered, been empowered by the Holy Spirit to be Christ's witness. And so Peter stands up and he explains exactly what it means to those who are genuinely interested. And the same spirit that empowered Peter, according to God's word, empowers us. It's the same spirit that lives in every single Christian. But there was another reaction. People are amazed, people are perplexed. But verse 13, it says, some made fun of them. Some ridiculed them. And there are still many people today who react to the gospel in that way. And that shouldn't surprise us. It may be dis disappointing, it may be frustrating, but it should never be unexpected. Because right from the start of the church, whenever disciples empowered by the Spirit of God stepped out and began to talk about Jesus and share the good news about Jesus and the message of the forgiveness of sins with people, they found themselves being ridiculed. A rejection of the gospel is a theme that's found right throughout the book of Acts as it traces the story of this new church. Rejection and ridicule appears in every chapter in Acts apart from chapters 3 and 10. And in Acts chapter 2, those who rejected the message, that they mocked the disciples. They were convinced they drunk too much wine. And today as we stand up and we affirm what we believe, and we speak the greatness of God, and we declare the wonders of our God, there are still people convinced that we're off our heads. 
that we're not thinking straight. But it shouldn't stop us, and it didn't stop the disciples. And so Peter addressed the crowd. He's empowered to be a witness of Jesus, and so he addressed the crowd, and he spoke from Scripture, and ultimately he drew attention to Jesus, his death, and his resurrection. Here was Peter living out the Great Commission. Here was Peter going and making disciples of all nations. Here was Peter being empowered to be a witness in Jerusalem. And another clear indicator of a spirit-filled life is one that points people to Jesus. In our own strength, yes, virtually impossible. But with the Holy Spirit who now empowers us to witness, anything is possible. And so the same Holy Spirit that empowered Peter that day, that empowered the disciples throughout the book of Acts is still empowering us to be Christ's witnesses. He empowers the team of people as they witness the 40, 50 international students here every Thursday evening. It is the same Holy Spirit who is empowering that team to witness to Jesus. It's the same Holy Spirit who empowers the team who serve parent and toddlers here every Thursday morning. He empowers Ho and Laura Jane to be witnesses to Japanese students in Sendai. And he empowers you and I to be his witnesses in Belfast and Lisburn or wherever. It's the same spirit. He empowers us to be Christ's witnesses. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead indwells, fills, clothes us with power. But what does that power look like? What does that power lead to? Well, let me suggest four things. It leads to boldness. It leads to love. It leads to words. And it leads to holiness. You see, as you continue to read through Acts One of the striking characteristics of being clothed with, filled with, baptized with, whatever term you want to use, they're all there in Scripture. But one of the striking characteristics of being filled and baptized and clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit is a boldness in witnessing. Let me just show you two examples of that from chapter 4 of Acts. One of them is about Peter again, but one of them is about a whole bunch of random believers like you and me. So in Acts chapter 4, verse 8 and verse 13, it says that Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, he then says to a group of people, and then in verse 13, they say, when they saw, or it says, when they saw the boldness of Peter. Then if you go down to verse 31, it says, after this prayer, people had been praying, the meeting place shook where this group were praying, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they preached the word of God, but they did it with boldness. And I reckon, and I know speaking personally, I reckon most of us are pretty scared to witness for Jesus most of the time. Scared to witness for Jesus with and to our friends and our colleagues and even members of our family. But as spirit-filled witnesses, we can be bold We can know a courage that is unnatural, that is supernatural. Why? Because it's the same Holy Spirit who filled Peter and who filled this random group of believers in that room that fills us. And so we can know courage and boldness in our witnessing for Jesus. But secondly, love. 
Power looks like boldness and courage, but it also looks like love. Power to love those that we live with and work with and spend time with. Power to love our enemies. And I know at times loving others is really hard, but as we've said during this series, the fruit of a spirit-filled life is love. It's the first fruit, if you like, or the first segment. It is the Holy Spirit who produces and nourishes and nurtures love in us for others. It's the Holy Spirit who enables us to love. And a key and genuine expression of love for another human being is a willingness to share Jesus with them. A willingness to share the message of Jesus as to be to, as was told in Scripture, and a willingness to share the message of the forgiveness of sin. That is one of the most loving things we can do for someone. And we have been empowered to do that. We've been empowered to love like that. Boldness, love, and then thirdly, words, empowered witnesses do speak up and speak out. I, I, I love the quote that's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. Preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, you use words. And I do believe there's a real challenge and a real truth behind that idea because actions often do speak louder than words, but you know something, words are also necessary. It's not either or, it's, it's both and. We need to demonstrate the reality of the gospel in our lives, but we also need to verbalize it. And in Acts chapter two, the wind and the tongues of fire and the multilingual speaking ability, those were all striking, those were all impressive, those grabbed people's attention, but you know what cut people to the heart? What cut people to the heart? What grabbed their attention and caused them to say to Peter, Peter, what must we do to be saved? It was what he and the disciples had said to them. As they declared the wonders of God, as they spoke this greatness of God, as they told the story of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, as they spoke those words, people said, you know something, Peter, what must we do? The Holy Spirit empowers us to live for Jesus and speak for Jesus. And even when we haven't a clue what we're going to say, or even when we feel under pressure that we don't have the words to say, in Luke chapter 12, Jesus offers his disciples these comforting words. They are distressed about the prospect of possibly having to defend themselves in front of other people. And Jesus says this, when you're brought before synagogue rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourself and what you will say for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what to say. The Holy Spirit empowers our witnessing words. And finally, holiness. The Holy Spirit empowers our talk, but he also empowers our walk. In 2 Thessalonians 2.13, Paul reminds us, it's the Holy Spirit who makes you holy. It's the Holy Spirit who makes you more like Jesus. He empowers us to be not just anybody's witnesses, but Christ's witnesses in what we say and in how we live. He produces the fruit in our lives that sets us apart. It is by your fruit that people will know who you belong to. 
the Holy Spirit that makes us distinctively different. And this power that he empowers us with leads to holiness and holy living and points people to Jesus. Boldness. That's what we're empowered for. Love. To speak. And for holy lives. And so the 21st thing about the Holy Spirit that every Christian needs to know is that he empowers. And so for us who are living in the wake of Acts chapter 2, in the wake of Pentecost, we are Christ's empowered witnesses. And so we can go from here, we can go from this place to declare the wonders and greatness of God and to tell the story and the good news of Jesus in our Jerusalem and in our Judea and in our Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. Whether we will or not is partly down to our response. Because we have the power for boldness and for love and for words and for holiness. And so may we as individuals, may I, may we as a church live by the Spirit. And may we keep in step with the Spirit in order to be empowered witnesses for Jesus Christ in the days, weeks, months, and years that lie ahead of us. Let's pray together. Come, Holy Spirit, ignite our hearts, inflame our souls, and kindle our spirits that we may burn with a new intensity. Enhance our lives, confirm God's presence in our everyday, inspire our praise and empower our witness. Spirit of the living God, come, fall afresh on us. Father, thank you for the promise of your Holy Spirit who clothes us with power, who fills us with power to be witnesses of Jesus. Enable us to be those witnesses this week. Thank you for that power that we have for boldness, for love, for speaking, for holiness. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand together as we close and sing by faith, which picks up on some of those thoughts. Let's stand together.